I know, yeah. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen. I welcome you to uh, join us in this important conversation. My name is Jana Unruh, and I'm from Oberman Park Church of Christ. How many of you, let's just see a show of hands, have ever been to Oberman Park Church of Christ? Well, look at this. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. The rest of you are not as lucky, but come on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We're, We're just going to go that. <laughs> You're always welcome. Um, I wanted to thank you for being part of this conversation because as, as the conversation uh, at Overland Park Church, which is a suburban, mostly white church, um, we're beginning to take steps beyond some of the things we've done in the past. And I wanted to acknowledge up front a couple of you that are sitting in the audience that I know have done some work in this area for many years. So this will be kind of an expansion of some of the baby steps that we're hoping to take into the future. And um, some of the places, as I hear from you all, that we might need to go as well. I wanted to first just acknowledge Vista Bowers, Vista Wade. Okay, we have to wave in class, Vista. Vista and her husband, Jack, have been um, small group leaders in our church, elders. And Vista has been a mentor and a teacher to many of us, including myself. And one of the things that they've done so beautifully is to reach out to the very diverse community we have in Kansas City. And I believe their life group probably has the most international <laughs> flavor and probably the best potlucks <laughs> in the city. Could you speak a couple words about that vista while we're getting situated here? How, how, what brought you to want to well, start that? Well, it was totally group? accidental. Uh, my husband just happened to meet a young man who was new to the community and he was from India and uh, he wanted someone to talk to and pray with and so they formed a relationship and and he started coming over for dinner once in a while and, and for our, our life group and then he uh, brought his wife and family over from India and, and they were part of it and then once in church, we uh, were standing in the foyer and uh, another Indian family couple and their daughter came in. And uh, so we reached out to them, the Indian couple that were already with us, standing with us, um, spoke the same language. And so that uh, helped them to form a relationship and uh, they also had they had a problem, a, a reason to need prayer, and so we reached out to them in that way. And eventually, we've had <clears throat> we've had Mexican, we've had Trinidad, we've had Chinese, we've had uh, Puerto Rican, we've oh Sri Lanka, which Sri Lanka. is near near <laughs> India, but Sri Lankan. Yeah, they've been a long-term couple, adorable children. Mm -hmm. And we just kind of adopted them. So, well, I appreciate so much you sharing that, Vista, and I know that there's more to come. You and Jack are still in, in that business. The other woman I would like to just acknowledge right away is is Vicki Knight. I know she has spent some time in California before coming to Oakland Park. But Vicki, can you just tell us a little bit about your greeting ministry? And I know you've embraced a lot of people who have just walked through the doors at Oakland Park Church. You know, and I just came from. Uh, a class where um, he was talking about stranger God, and um, and one of the places where he ended up was 
It's intentionality and it's being going outside looking past your friends and seeking out those people who are on the margin and who are not, you know, immediately obvious because they're out on the, on the fringes. And I think that that is one of the things that God has put into my heart most is to be intentional about looking for the brand new and the seeker and, and the faces that are not known. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And thank you. And Vicki's very well known for her hugs and occasional kisses. Me! Really <laughs> <laughs> so thank That's you so nice. much for sharing That's that. Nice. I'd like to hear from a couple of other of you in the audience, maybe non-OP members. Um, we wanted to start this conversation, and we also want to listen and hear from you all today. I understand we have many churches across the United States that represented, maybe some even internationally. Is anyone from a place beyond America? Anyone in the room? Okay. So we're all Americans. We can join uh, with that together. But can some of you tell me your name and just where you're from and what you hoped to gain from the conversation today? What made you choose this wonderful class? As opposed to many other wonderful classes and Horse Beach, so <laughs> I see some engagement back there. I'm, I'm thinking you, maybe. Can you tell us who you are and where you're from? Yeah, I'm Joel Childers, my wife Emily. We're from Abilene. Um, I know you, Emily. Yes, okay, met through. Uh, I see you online yeah. stuff. Yeah, great to have you both. Yeah, but what drew you into the conversation, Joel? Yeah, just to look look a little bit more into how to engage diverse groups of people and church communities and it's something that I'm not particularly gifted in or haven't had a lot of experience doing so hopefully we can learn a little bit about that. Great. Emily, would you like to add to that? Get your second half there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just think it's something that is a really popular topic right now and something that I want to be able to um, know more about and be able to engage in those conversations that are Thank you so much for being here. Anyone else outside of Oakland Park wants to share what they're hoping today? Look towards. What's your plan today? Anyone else? I can I can say something. I, I work here at Pepperdine in our volunteer center with Naran here, um, but I'm also will be partnering with a, a friend to facilitate a conversation about faith and race at our mm -hmm. church. And awesome. We go to a multi-ethnic, multicultural church with uh, Southeast Asians is the, the oh, right. about 60% and, yeah. uh, and so I don't know what I'm doing but uh, <laughs> uh, but, but I mean it, yeah and it's conversations we've had here on campus for years and um, Brenda Salter McNeil um, up at uh, Seattle Pacific and Quest Church okay. she's been down here with uh, John Perkins spoke here oh, um, a month or two ago and so yeah, we're having all these conversations, and uh, but no one really knows what we're doing, and and we get all the people who know, but we don't get all the people who need to hear. So I think that's oh. wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing that. Noran, would you like to add to that? Oh, sorry, Noran. I put Noran on the spot. Sorry. It's like, oh, darn it. I was trying to do that so he didn't have to. <laughs> no, um, I'm also with Justin in the volunteer center. Um, it's just. Uh, been a conversation that's been coming up in especially on campus a lot and just wanting to figure out how we can address that on campus and with our students. Mm -hmm. 
Well, thank you so much for all of you being part of this conversation. I wanted to put a shout out to Pepperdine University. Uh, one of my very first classes that introduced this idea and gave some fuel to this class was from Dr. Dan Rodriguez here at Pepperdine University. You may know him well. Um, he helped teach a little bit from a perspective of not being in the majority uh, group, uh, since we're mostly a Caucasian church. That's a voice that we often don't hear, not because we're not interested, sometimes because we simply don't understand, and so we hope to bring some of that understanding here. Um, I also wanted to give a shout out to ACU, and I believe Joel, it's your dad, Dr. Jeff Childers, yes. am I right? Okay, he also, while bringing ancient Christian history into the foreground in some of the studies um, we've had, he also taught about what the early church was like and I think that's a framework for where we begin because Christians in their very earliest days were um, able to bond together, in fact had to bond together because they were such a minority in the Roman world. So I think that's a great context to, the, to begin with and we wanted to just start um, by kind of reviewing some of our goals for this class and I appreciate hearing your perspectives too. But we want to first of all learn about gathering information uh, very simple steps that we're trying to do at Overland Park and have done to some degree in the past. Um, listening and learning. We're going to talk a little bit about that and get to experience some of that today yourselves. Um, modify worship environment. We're going to think about that a bit. Creating some table fellowships and time to actually sit down at meals with people from multiple ethnicities. And I think, again, we have those who have done that so well, but we're actually taking some other steps to make that more intentional. And then, of course, supporting all families. Um, I want to start out by showing you our church. Here we are in the Midwest. It's a pretty large congregation. We're out in kind of a sunny suburban locale of Kansas City. Um, our church began sort of in the historical 1940, 1950s era. I know Dan Knight, his husband, has done some great research on our history. But if we take it to the 1950s, 60s era, we're going to kind of um, use a family context to tell a story. And I just briefly segue for a moment because I do have some panelists here that are familiar to some of you as well as me. I'm going to ask them to briefly introduce themselves and then we're going to come back to the Harwells and the story of Overland Park. Let's start with you, Mr. Henry. My name is Jim Andrew. I'm uh, Jan's husband and I uh, have the opportunity to, to serve as an elder at the church with uh, uh, Rita's husband, Kurt, who's the head of, over our eldership group, and we work together as a team. Uh, been going there since about 82. Uh, look around and see my good friend, Tim Paul, who is a mentor to all of my children as they go through your program. Uh, it's a great place. I think it's a transient place for a lot of people coming to Kansas City for jobs, and then they, they move on and uh, hopefully take whatever they learned uh, on their next journey. So. Uh, just uh, again, a shout out to, to Vicki. I've got a good friend named John uh, Mendoza, who the only reason why it goes to our church is because Vicki came and introduced herself and gave him a big hug. So <laughs> he gets his whole family there for that particular reason. Mm, yeah, so. that's so true. Thank you, Jim. Thanks yeah. for being part of this conversation. Next, Faith Unruh. Yeah, <laughs> hi, I'm Faith Unruh. Um, I'm a junior in high school. I'm finishing up my junior year. Um, I've been an OP member my whole life. I'm born and raised in OP Church. Um, it's really just meant a lot to me to grow up with uh, such a strong church family and friends that I can just grow up in Christ with. So that's meant a lot to me. 
in this conversation, I'm hoping to provide maybe a younger idea of what this looks like, because um, I think it's a really, um, it's definitely really uh, a part of all ages, and it's an issue that I think everyone has to deal with. So, yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you for consenting to be here. I think she could be on the beach. We just have a few more incentives. She would have been caught. Well, I appreciate her so much. And not yeah. last, but not least, you know. I'm Grant Unruh. Um, I also grew up at Overland Park Church of Christ. Um, yep, Tim was my youth minister, so shout out to some great times there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I uh, graduated. I went to Kansas State University and graduated in December 2015. I've been working back in Kansas City now, um, and I'm recently kind of a part of the worship team at our church. And so um, that's another area to kind of think about um, what people from different cultures might think of when they experience worship it kind of can look differently so yeah. that's one thing I've been thinking about lately yeah. so. we've newly just become an instrumental church on one of our services so we have this whole new opening door of how to represent you know God best through music that will uplift and assist in our worship so we'll get back to Grant more now and last but not least there is a young woman in the corner who just graduated <laughs> from Pepperdine just tell us your name and hi I'm Jillian um church over 35 years now so what things that are beautiful about it we hope to take a part of that but we also very seriously see that we're part of this white uh, experience that sometimes has been exclusive to others so we're going to listen and learn from with kind of very humble hearts today about what God wants us to be doing and I take Psalm 133 that says see how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to live harmoniously together. So we're going to take a look back at the Harwell family, who have been very harmonious and have lived well together for a lot of years at our church. Ken, over to the far right, has been an elder and just retired at age 80, if I'm correct. And his wife, Donna, has been a real role model to many women in our church and, and young men. And we have little scamps, uh, Kevin and his big brother, Neil, <laughs> that are now adults. So we're going to come back to them. But their story is kind of a framework where a mostly white congregation has begun to be a little more uh, interesting, a little more ethnically interesting. So let's go ahead and start that uh, process. We began to do some gathering of information. Uh, we had a recent senior minister search. And one of the things that we found out that could be helpful to you all as you might begin this process is to take a look at your surrounding community. Starting from the outside in, we can go, and on the internet there's a lot of information about your county and your um, community. We're in the metro area that is between Kansas City, Missouri and Kansas City, Kansas. So there's a fairly large um, range that is included in Kansas City. So if you take a look, at the metro area, maybe we're a little more ethnically diverse. In Johnson County, where our church is, you'll notice some of those numbers go down. And maybe Jim, as elder and helpful with some of these uh, data information things, you can share a little bit about our well, church. We had a, a committee we pulled together. Uh, like to like to use our congregation as much as possible. Uh, they're more than willing. They just want to be asked. So these guys all pulled together. They took a look at the demographics of the city. Uh, the county and then our church. 
just to get an idea of, of who we are and where we are in the community. Uh, as you can see, it's clear that our church doesn't necessarily represent the, uh, the metropolitan area. A little closer to the county, but uh, uh, if we want to uh, reflect our community, we're not doing that right now. So it gave us some kind of a framework or a benchmark, a starting point to identify where we are so that we can make plans on reflecting our yeah. community there. One of the surprises, and thank you for that, Jim, one of the surprises to us is how large of an Asian uh, community we have around St. Johnson County. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure I was aware of that at all before we did these demographics. So it's a pretty significant number of people that we don't often see in our doors. And there may be other reasons for that, but it still begs the question, why? Why are we not seeing the people in our community? Um, let's take another look. Let's go to the next slide. Here's another little test that you might want to consider for your congregation, just as we're looking at optics, um, visuals that people see when they walk in the door of our churches. If we were to walk into a church, and let's just roll back in time, I believe this is from the 1980s, what do you notice about all of the staff members of our church back in 1980? Male, white. And make an observation, yes, thank you. One of our church secretaries is here with us today. Ex-secretary, ex-administrator. Ex moved yes. to Georgia. But yeah, yeah, noticeably pretty monolithic there. Um, let's take a look at our group today. What kind of observations do you make about our staff today? Still white. Still white, but there's white. some women. Yeah, some women. And multi-age there. You've got ah. young and old. Oh, yeah. Okay. Old? No, that's the wrong word. <laughs> Young and older. <laughs> 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 Daring ages. ages. Right uh, corner there, the green shirt. Yes, we have a little bit of some changes that have happened. Uh, we've made some decisions to include women uh, very much in the roles and um, ways of serving in our church that are relatively new. So this has been a change for us. Um, let's go to the next slide. Okay, here's our elders today. We didn't have a picture of the elders of beyond, but they were primarily Caucasian elders. So here we are today. Maybe, what's your observation, if any, about this? The leadership and the staff of the church. What's our primary, primary? Well, some speak? churches probably wouldn't put the wives on the elders' picture. Oh, oh. So that's a good thing. Um, yeah, we appreciate <laughs> Mostly. Yeah. You see you yeah. maybe see more as elderly couples at your church. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for that comment. What's your name? Leanne, I'm an elder's wife, so Leanne, thank no. you for that. I'm sorry. I, I noticed yeah. that. Any other comments about that? <clears throat> Any other comments about your home church? What would you observe if you put up pictures of your home church from twenty years ago to now? I was thinking about how casually dressed they are and also the environment for the picture. It's not interesting. That, you know. Yeah, that says something about who we think, you know, what we're trying to portray as well. That's a great observation. And I appreciate that because that's kind it's of a friendly. that's the segue. Yeah. And that what we experience as normal or, or the way it should be done may not be everyone's experience. And we want to be able to draw others in. Let's go to the next slide here. I wanted to pass these out, and I'm going to ask you to fill these out in a moment. I'm going to ask Faye, maybe, and 
Okay, just take one of these and, and we'll save this towards the end, but one of the things we've done for information gathering has been done in the youth group very effectively. Ryan Rampton and Lizzie Smith, our two uh, youth ministers at this time, created kind of a, a survey for the youth group. And it was done very casually, but I thought it uh, reached some very interesting results. So, um, as you're here, sitting here, I'll just describe this briefly. Ryan asked the students after a study of James, which does talk about um, the idea of inclusion and not leaving people out because of various characteristics. And I'll have you take a look at race, for example. And what he did was have the students rate how they feel the church did in this area of not being exclusive about race. So for example, if we did very well, we would go to the far end of the continuum, place an X. Each student anonymously placed an X where they thought our church performed in this area. So if you thought that we were, were discriminatory with race, then you would put an X on the farther end of the continuum. Yes, Vicki's holding that up. Yeah. Because it says no over here. Oh, okay. Thank you for turning that around for me. You're right. Oh. Vicki pointed out correctly that we want to say no if we're doing uh, no. <laughs> say what you just said, Vicki. Help me out here. Okay. Well, I'm the way I understood here. it, so that's why I wanted to make sure. Yeah. It looks to me like I treat better people better because of these oh. things. No, then I'm farther over here to the left. Okay. And if, yes, I do treat people okay. who are good looking better, okay. then it would be over. Yes, here. thank you for clarification. <laughs> that. So what we want you to do in a moment is just one line. Okay, you can, you can use these at another time. They're great tools for your church information gathering. But if you feel like we do treat people differently or better because of race, for example, most of our kids were Caucasian, so we were trying to discern, do you think we're treating white kids better? Then you would put that to the right, or race. And then if we're not, or we're having issues perhaps with that, bias, maybe we would go clearly to the left. A lot of kids might go straight down the middle. You're free as adults to do whatever <laughs> you want that X to be. Now don't put your name on it, and we will gather those, and then we're going to do a little exercise to kind of display this data here in this room before you leave. So this is one example of information gathering. Um, let's go to the next slide. Listen and learn. We're going to um, employ and I just want to thank the people from our church who were so gracious to tell their stories. Um, one of the key texts I've been working with recently is ethnography, and some of you may be familiar with this, Marianne, or Mary Clark Michella. And it's basically a fancy word for listening to people's stories and creating a safe environment to do so. And I want to emphasize that safe environment because in the past, in some of the very um, well-intended panels that I've set up um, and helped facilitate in our church about race, this is probably eight or 10 years ago, um, I did not understand the intensity and the vulnerability that comes along with telling your story, especially when you're not in the majority group. And so for that, I have really learned a lot about the practice of listening and creating very honored spaces to do that. And so as part of that, I really want to engage your trust as well, that those who so graciously um, 
volunteered to tell their stories. Grant and I interviewed them just last week. Um, they are um, just, just want to respect them and listen. And I will say that there might be some things that sound like you don't want to believe it. Okay. The closer we find that the Caucasian experiences is to our friends of other ethnicities, and the, mo the more that we think we're the same, it becomes very hard for us to believe sometimes that right. they have had experiences that are so far off the charts of anything we've ever experienced. So as you're listening to some of our congregants from OP, um, let's honor them with our interest and engagement and belief that what they're saying is true. Okay, let's begin. Linda. Linda Johnson. Uh, well, my name is Glenda Johnson. Um, I am married. My husband is Ricky Johnson, and I have two daughters, uh, Marissa and Faye. Uh, Marissa is in the college age group, um, and Faye is a junior um, in high school. So uh, what, uh, uh, what brought us here to OP uh, was actually our children. Um, we uh, worshiped at Roswell Church of Christ, which is in the inner city. And uh, we had come out to visit Overland Park uh, several years ago. Um, it, in fact, it was like in 2003. We, we visited. Um, we had a visit from uh, the lovely Vicki Knight and Dan um, to our home. And it just set a precedence for us of, hmm, this is wonderful. The, you know, they took the time to call, to come by. You know, they lived in Overland Park. We live in Wyandotte. That's the drive. So it really impressed us. Um, and we came back um, to a Wednesday night service, and the kids just fell in love with the youth group here. I was born, uh, born and raised in Jackson, Mississippi, and my family was Baptist. And uh, we were very strong in our faith. My father um, was a superintendent and a deacon of um, our church. Uh, my grandfather was the minister, so my uh, maternal grandfather was the minister of the church. Um, and so, and, and on both sides, you know, paternal and maternal, uh, their faith was just strong, with always there. You know, I, I, I don't even know if there was anyone that did it or wasn't connected to, to God or, or in the church. And I, I grew up in the South. Um, Mississippi um, is still known um, notoriously for um, the, the racial um, bias and prejudice and it, it, it hasn't gotten better um, in that sense. So uh, growing up, my, my grandfather, paternal grandfather, um, was a sharecropper. You know, my father was a, a great storyteller, but he would often, um, in trying to teach us how um, to accept things as we were growing up, and um, he would tell us stories about when he grew up. And one of the things I remember vividly is um, there was a time where we were driving on the highway and there was um, um, a, a car that was on, in the left lane and they were white. And so as my father was driving, you know, he's proceeded to pass the car. I mean, they were so angry. I mean, you could see the lividness and he kind of swooped his car over because in that time, you shouldn't pass a white person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Responses to this, anyone um, have a particular response or something on their heart they'd like to say after this? Just seeing Linda's story. 
part of it. Well, it's just, that's terrible to be disturbed so terribly about being passed by another car when you're going at the speed you want to go and they want Yeah, I've never experienced that. Beginning of, uh, of uh, road, road rage. And you're right, Jana, we don't experience that because we're often the ones who are doing it. And it was a major culture shock for me to move from Kansas to Georgia, especially Savannah, because now I'm the minority. Interesting. And so I do see some things, some injustices, and some things like Glenda has experienced, and, and so many others, not nearly like they have, but I, I, I've gotten a sense of some of it. Yeah. Thank you so much for that, and you too, you as well, yes. yes. I can relate to Mrs. Johnson, because yes. I was born in Natchez, Mississippi, yeah. and definitely yeah. in the 50s I was born, mm -hmm. and uh, so, yeah. yeah. And more, as you and more high school. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. yes, and tell me your name. Adele, I'm sorry, Adele Bynum from Palm Desert Church. Oh, thank you so much for being here, Adele. And I had this sense, perhaps you can validate that, that Glenda was really graciously trying to hold back. Right. I think she, um, the environment, again, of speaking her truth is very a very vulnerable place to be. I felt very honored that she shared this, but I suspect there were many other stories she could have told. Anyone else want to comment before we move on to our next? I'll just say real briefly, and probably one of the reasons I'm here is um, our congregation has done pretty well with uh, becoming more Hispanic. We actually have an Hispanic minister and Hispanic elder, elder and his wife. Um, but we were, we're really hoping to have more people of color, African American especially, to look a little bit more like our neighborhood. And we had actually a, a, an African American uh, young woman and her husband on staff, she was on staff, and she began to feel a little bit like she was the lone voice right. and was expected to be that lone voice mm -hmm. in a singled out way. And we can't even understand that. You know, I came to understand it because I know her. She wants to make a difference, she wants to help us, but she doesn't want to be the voice for everyone. Interesting you say that. And so yeah. it's really hard because there were, there were there was no one else really, and so, that's hard to know where to start without putting people in a place of being uncomfortable and being yes. the spokesperson. Yes, and I appreciate so much that comment, and yours too, Adele, because I believe um, we'll see some, some more testimonies here in a moment, but we tend to conflate racial groups. For example, some of my friends at our church at Overland Park, um, they are often called the wrong name as if they are a group rather than individuals. And it's happened to them frequently enough. They said they laugh about it. It's almost funny to them. But yet it is sort of that microaggression, that feeling that you're a group, you're a representative of a group. We go to you for the whole voice of that group. And that's really unfair for all of us, you know, as we look at individuals in Jesus Christ, that God honors us and sees us each with value. So thank you for those comments, and I hope to hear more from you. Um, we're going to go to the next family. Jesse and Carolyn Salmon are uh, leaders of our church. Jesse is an elder, and, and they'll introduce themselves and tell some of their story. Yeah, so I, um, I 
was born in Los Angeles, uh, California, and was um, the first year, eight years of my life, uh, attended all black congregations in Figueroa Church of Christ and Normandy Church of Christ. Um, both very uh, successful, booming, you know, black congregations. Um, my mom uh, married and again, and we moved to Pueblo, Colorado, which was a huge culture shock coming from a mostly, you know, black community and then going to a city with, I think it was less than 2% black population. So so we then went to um, Broadway and Ormond Church of Christ, which was a predominantly white congregation. I believe we were one of maybe four or five black families in the congregation. Um, I was only like nine or 10, so I don't really recall, you know, any blatantly racial things that we always felt accepted. We always were involved and I do want to point out that that's the way I was raised, that if you're going to go to church, you're going to be involved, not just fill the pews, you're going to serve, and so that's kind of how I was just brought up. Okay, okay where I grew up, well, I grew up in a small town in Oklahoma, Long, Oklahoma, uh, predominantly black congregation there too. Um, it was very conservative, uh, the church was very conservative, and uh, as soon as I uh, could, you know, you know, leave a, a small town, I was ready to go. So I moved to Dallas, you know, moved to Dallas. Professionally, I own my own business uh, since 2002. And uh, I was a deacon here for many years, and now I'm an elder here at, uh, at Logan Park, you know. And um, I think that um, that our church, it's the reason, probably the reason I'm actually here is, is just a spirit of openness. You know, uh, people can walk in off the street and feel home, you know, feel accepted. Um, there are going to always be, uh, you know, people that are not so inviting, you know, but those are, those are the outliers. Uh, and that's because everybody's human. You also brought up a couple of occasions where friends of yours have said, well, you're the first, you know, black friend mm -hmm. I've had or... Yeah, that's actually pretty common. Yeah, you know, I would say it's pretty common, but um, I think what they're saying is I'm the first black friend that's, a, that's more than an acquaintance. You know, that's what the, that's what they mean. One that they can be, they can they, they can relate with. You know, at a I guess I'll level this deeper than sports. You know, is this in the church? You would say. Yeah, even in church, um, I can remember one of the one of the men that said that here. You know. Uh, you know, he actually was uh, at one point was uh, was part of the clan, you know. Mm -hmm. You know, so he was actually sharing with me that uh, that you know that that was his family, that was part of his you know part of his background, you know. So uh, I can remember telling Carol that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know. You know, and I sit there thinking, you it's know. It's comical now, you know. Yeah. Even it was even comical then because it was so. Like to know him, it was just—it was such a shock. Um, we were in the South, uh, in, actually in Tennessee, and uh, while we were in Tennessee, our son was probably three or four years old, and uh, and he's always liked girls. So he came home, and he was actually—he uh, was just saying, uh, "I really like this girl with yellow hair." 
enough. He was just talking about um, how he wanted to hold her hand and how he wanted to kiss her, this girl with yellow hair. And then, uh, you know, at first I was saying, oh, that's so cute or whatever. Then I had to give it some thought. You know, in the South, that doesn't work all the time. You know, especially where we work, you know. And so I was thinking about safety, you know, his safety, you know, uh, which is kind of kind of strange you thinking about a, a three or four year old, you know, safety because he's going to kiss a girl with yellow hair, you know, that that's going to be a big issue, you know, right. but it could be. Yes. Those in minority communities come to them more readily. Uh, I think that's a natural outgrowth of them, and they've been so gracious about helping us understand. Maybe members of our congregation that don't often get a voice or are the same kind of voice within the congregation. Um, Jesse and Carolyn and Glenda had in common some of their biases or the very difficult experiences, racist experiences, were mo more overt. But the next. Uh, friends of ours, Kristen and Takia, are going to tell us a little bit about some things that they call microaggressions. Um, one of the things they don't mention on this video, but we have many conversations about this, they're both very articulate and professional in their field, and uh, oftentimes they get told, wow, you speak so well ah. for being African American. Um, <laughs> there's nothing about that that's a compliment to no. them. No. Okay, they're going to no. maybe add them expound on that, but it's as if to say, well, you shouldn't be able to speak that way, okay? Another thing, again, the conflation of them as individuals happens so much. Takia will tell more about uh, some of her experiences as well as Kristen, but one of the things they mentioned to us um, as Grant and I were interviewing is just how often people get their names wrong, as if they're one group. They don't look alike. They have very different occupations. They're both amazing, wonderful servants of God, but there's something wrong when you're praying with someone by name and then a few moments later don't remember their name. And I, I didn't want to believe that. I did not want to believe that, but you'll find them sharing some things, and I hope you keep your heart open to what we're calling microaggressions, some lesser but still important situations that happen daily. Why do I have to go first? <laughs> You're, you She's a Church of Christ background. She should. <laughs> I've been at Oki Church since 2001. So I think I was 19 when I started coming. I was in college. Um, and I have grown up with a Church of Christ background. So I started out um, going to Roswell Church of Christ, which is predominantly, if not all, black at that time. Congregation, and then when I was 16, we started going to Westside Church of Christ, which was about half the size, um, and definitely predominantly Caucasian. So, um, so I've had kind of an interesting mix of experiences um, with that. I came kind of to OP because I was looking for just more connection. I was going to a smaller um, Church of Christ that was near the college I was at. Um, and I just didn't find a fit, so I was kind of just looking for a way to, to get plugged in and try to grow the adult side of my <laughs> faith, move away from kind of parents' faith. Okay, well, my name is Takia Thompson. Um, very different from Kristen Donnelly, but Kristen um, yeah. is my best friend, so I kind of share a brain, so there's that. Um, but I, I didn't grow up 
really in the church or in Church of Christ. So I don't really have that that background or anything. But I um, I was born in East St. Louis, uh, but I my whole life has been spent in South Central Kentucky. I grew up in Kentucky. That's all I know is Kentucky. I don't know anything else but Kentucky. So I'm from Kentucky. <laughs> um, but I uh, I moved here uh, for college. I, there were a lot of times when I had to kind of extend some grace and say, okay, this is the environment they've grown up in, or, um, you know, even my guidance counselor one year, she called me into her office, and I'm thinking, okay, we're going to go over college ideas or whatever, it's junior year, they're starting to get us to think about that, and she's like, I just want to call you in and say, are you offended by my um, collection of mammies on my desk? And I was like, you took me out of class for that? It was a weird deal. Why do you have a collection? But that's a whole nother it's a whole nother topic. I really I'm like in AP English right now and I cannot comprehend this stuff, so I really need to get back to class. But that was like one instance where I just thought, why is this why is this happening? I think if anything it's a opportunity to educate and say, You shouldn't say those things. <laughs> if they come into your brain, keep them there. Don't let them come. <laughs> So I think everybody, no matter what color you are, has said something that you're like, oh, I know, I shouldn't have said that. Yeah. Or, you know, so, but I think it's more, it seems to be more like, oh, you can't say that. <laughs> you shouldn't say that. Um, I don't know, I think for me, I always joke and, um, and I laugh about it, but I don't understand why you feel compelled to touch my hair. I think that's weird. I think that's really weird. And I don't really know how else to describe it other than that's just weird. And I have my hair in, I mean, in different ways, but I don't think that's um, a typical way. I, I just think every woman that I know has tried to switch it up, you know, with their hair. I don't think that's like a black woman thing to do that. So when, you know, I have a comment said to me in church, like, I mean, you black girls are always just changing your hair, and then you stick your hand in it. I think I'm more offended by the fact that I spent a lot of time doing my hair and then you just messed it up. But then there's also like this, you can't do that. Like, you wouldn't do that to another white person, I don't think. You know what I mean? So I, I, I don't know how, I don't really know what that's about. And if it only happened once, I would be like, oh, but it's happened, I mean, I actually had someone lay their head on top of my hair. Cause they were like, I just wanna feel how soft it is. So oh. Like, I'm not sure, yeah. but things like that are weird to me. That's strange. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we kind of <laughs> talked about this earlier because it happened this morning. Um, <laughs> as I'm walking into church, um, I, I, this is just personal. This has nothing to do with race at all. I do not like people to touch my face. That's just a thing for me. To me, it's the my face is my. It's just private space. You. I mean, it's your belt. Don't touch people's face <laughs> without their permission. So I just don't like that. That's that's me. Some people are more cool with that in general. But when you not only like grab me by the face, but then also you know have to comment on how much you love my skin tone. Oh. Um, I really. <laughs> that's that's a little harder to take. And I'm laughing because it's. It's humorous because it's so absurd, and it was this morning. Um, and, it, and it's happened before. 
I mean, that again, like Takia said, if that was the first time that's ever happened in life, I might be like, hmm, anomaly. But uh, it, that's not an anomaly, unfortunately. So I'm perplexed by that. And I, I'm trying to picture myself, like I've seen lots of people of lots of different races with skin tones that I thought, oh my gosh, exquisite. Wow. You know, um, and it just would never occur to me to touch their face or necessarily even comment on their tone, maybe. Mm -hmm. I might say like, wow, you have beautiful skin or, you know, or something mm -hmm. like, or wow, you're beautiful. Mm -hmm. But I, I can't, I, it's just strange. So, and it is that sort of like, wow, when you go to zoo or on safari and you're like, wow, that's spectacular. I want to touch that animal because it's so unique and exotic. Um, it gives that feel. And that it's like, wow, you're so unique and exotic. And you're like, well, percentage-wise, I'm not that unique. Um, there, there really are a lot of people that look like me uh, in culture. <laughs> so thanks for Takia and, and uh, Kristen also sharing from the heart. I think there's more to be said there. We're going to quickly go to a couple of other points, and then we'll come back if time allows. Um, we decided to create some intentional spaces last summer. Um, one of the tried and true things we have done in the past is called Refresh, and that served as a great vehicle to introduce some topics about race. We hadn't done that before. Um, we had our new minister, senior minister, uh, Gilbert uh, Kerrigan, and his wife, Kate, come with their new baby, who um, uh, they adopted last, last fall as well. Um, so they were real integral to the conversation, having both grown up in the South. So they gave testimonies about how their walk has been, and we included Angela uh, Mosby, who's from the south side of Chicago, who had a very different experience with her father being profiled, slammed onto the ground, into a police car, no charges. Uh, she and her eight and nine-year-old sister standing on the corner in um, south side of Chicago until they were able to find friends to bring them to the police station. So it was so impactful because I don't think we had talked about it much in a setting, uh, primarily women's Bible study. We had some men there. But their stories were compelling, and Gilbert later used that piece as part of a sermon on Martin Luther King Day uh, weekend. So uh, the other thing we wanted to talk about was modifying the worship environment. I want to hear, I to hear a few words from Glenda Johnson. I know our time is short. Uh, I think it's real important to hear what she has to say, and maybe think about in your own churches how we can interject other cultural experiences and preferences into our worship environment. So let's play a little bit of Glenda as she comes. As African Americans, our hope has always been in our faith. We always, we were, we, were, we most, most African Americans are very strong in their faith with God because that's what got us through the things that we had to deal with. So Sunday was a, a time of restoration to gain some peace so that you can go into that fire again <laughs> um, and be okay. Um, so it was a, a it was a time of release, you know. So when you hear the sermon and you hear the singing, it stirred up emotions. And so we have a, a tendency to allow that emotion to come out on Sunday when we sing, and so we sing with all that we have. And, 
you know, when you pray, you're, you're crying, and because it's, it's just a release of that tension and things that you've dealt with. And, and, and trying to, you know, I don't know where my meal is going to be tomorrow, but I'm going to trust God that you're going to give I'm going to trust that you're going to be there. I don't know how I'm going to pay my rent, but I'm going to trust that you're going to do that for me. And so, I'm sorry. <laughs> it becomes, um, it became a release. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think that's the difference in, um, of how African Americans worship um, than how um, maybe some, some Caucasian churches worship. Is um, we, we connect with each other um, more. So it's the handshakes and the holes and the, you're my sister. And we call each other brother and sister. It's not a, you know, Jana or, you know, it's brother, grand, sister, you know, because that's the connectedness of you are with me. We're in this together. And so sometimes I do miss that. Way. One more item before we leave here today, and uh, would love to stay and converse with any of you who are able to do that. Create table fellowship. Uh, I mentioned earlier Kate um, and her friend Angela decided to form a group where we have women of different ethnicities. It's called Be the Bridge, and we get together once a month for a meal. Let's show that next slide. This is her husband Chris, who's one of the uh, youth, or excuse me, youth ministry search team, and he also is heading up the men's ministry with one of our other ministers. Um, here's Be the Bridge. I'd encourage you to look at that. There's multiple resources. It's a guided discussion that we have questions and a little bit of homework each time we gather. Um, we have a meal in a home, and we have that table fellowship. And I will say just this year, uh, this is our first launch of that. I have learned more about my sisters in Christ um, from different backgrounds. Is this the website, or is it from your... This, is, uh, this will be what you'll find when you type in bethebridge.com. Okay. And there are multiple resources. There's a workbook. There's lots of podcasts and information. It's great reading. I re highly recommend that. Uh, Whiteness 101, one of my favorites. Okay, mm -hmm. Embrace what we are. Um, let's go to the next slide. Let's look at our last um, bullet point, Carolyn Salmon on race and, and uh, marriage. One of the things that's happening in our culture is a lot of our kids are marrying or dating and marriage outside of our ethnicity borders, things that are typically hadn't been done in the past. So Carolyn spoke really eloquently on a panel we did about nine years ago. Let's hear what she had to say that convicted me. Some of the things that uh, I think we talked about, maybe some hidden biases that you know individuals may have. They may feel that um, you know they are they're not biased, they're not prejudiced, they're you know they just have those strong beliefs because they've never either put up walls, you know, when they've encountered someone of another race, but, you know, I, I just brought up, and I think I was, it was in response to a question that someone had asked in the audience, and I actually brought up, well, you know, um, the true test of, you know, bias or prejudice is if you have no problem with your child marrying someone outside of your race. Um, that's the true, that, that would be the true test, uh, that you've modeled your, your behavior or been accepting, like if your child brought someone of another race, that you've been accepting of that person, looked at their heart, 
uh, and determined, made a judgment based on their heart and the type of person they were versus, versus the color of their skin. And, um, you know, I've been told that, that that really had an impact, that people had never really thought of it further than just their daily interactions with, you know, people um, that, you know, were maybe different from them. So um, I would just encourage, you know, anyone to kind of have that kind of be the benchmark um, in, in assessing your bias or your, your racial bias. Carolyn spoke very eloquently about that. And I wanted to show a couple of pictures from our family, back with the Harwell family. Graciously, they provided them in the 1960s. Let's take a look at the 80s. Um, we see an expansion there with their two sons marrying and having children. And this is what they wanted me to present to you all. They were so proud to show their family today. And they have been so enriched by the multiple ethnicities that are in their extended family now. And I can truly say that um, that because of this family and their prominence in our church, they have made a statement of love and acceptance that speaks volumes. Again, it's an optic from the pew. We don't see a lot up front about that, but they're very proud and, and loving with their family and believe that they have found much richness with that. So I wanted to kind of end with that. If you have a moment, I would love for you to take in just a minute and look at the race uh, category here. And just in your honesty, um, we won't share this data with anyone else, but I thought we would mark it on here. And then we're going to do, for those of you who can stay, and we'll gather that data and we'll just take a look at where we stand in this room about our feelings of how we and our churches are doing in this matter of race. As Vicki pointed out earlier, if we think that um, we're putting an X on the line, so if we say yes, we do have, uh, I treat people better because of race, then we go far to the right and say yes, that that's an issue. If it's not, let's put a no there. While you're marking your answer, I wanted to go back to Faith for a moment. She was in youth group the night that you were there. Can you tell us a little bit about what happened? Yeah, exercise. So um, we did this kind of full on like a Wednesday night youth group, and um, one of the things they had us do is after we had finished, we switched with someone else, and then um, or they kind of put it in a bowl, and then we grabbed a random one, so we didn't know whose we got. But um, then we were told to stand in a line, and then if you said if your person who you got said no, then you would you were supposed to go to the spot on the line. Uh, where they had marked, mm -hmm. and um, with most of it, it was pretty like pretty widespread. There was a lot of there was a lot of people everywhere on the line for most of them, except for on race. Everyone, all the teams were on the no side. Like we are not racist at all. We um, show racial inclusion in every way. And um, one of the things we noticed that night was that it was all white kids. So ah. There wasn't any other races at the church that night. So I don't know. It was just kind of interesting because. Um, we say we're very racial, racially inclusive, but on that particular night, there was no other racism besides white kids. So. And I like Carolyn's comment because until you're put to the test, mm -hmm. you don't know. Thank you, Any following comments? And then if you are so disposed, I'll take your paper and we'll shuffle them and do this exercise real quick and stand on the line. Um, any other comments as we close out? I so appreciate y'all being here and we will keep this very private. <laughs>
that but this article made me realize I've never experienced that because I'm white right mm -hmm. and so I thought that's different you know <laughs> just rude people but here's one we're gonna pass these out and what I'd like you to do is form a line here. We'll go between these middle rows. This will be no. Firm no. And over by Josh. Joshua. Firm yes. So if you're somewhere in the middle, take your sheet. We don't know who's we've gotten. It's not confident. But we're going to just see how we're doing within our own ring. Okay? Okay. Okay, so firm no. Firm yes by Josh. Just about the race. Yes. No. Middle. Middle. Yes. 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 I'm good, how are you? Good. Deanna Adele. Is this the yes side? Thank you. Thank you. Where's the middle side? Yeah, you need to be on the other side of me because mine is Thank you so much. growing up, I had no concept until I was probably 20 years old that my mother was prejudiced. Mm -hmm. I had no, she wasn't an issue. I mean, I, I went to school with mixed mm -hmm. classrooms until my best friend moved to town. Mm -hmm. And you all know, Julia, that go to OP. And my mother said to me one day, don't you have any white friends? Mm -hmm. And, but let me tell you, when my mother got to know them, yeah, mother was a different person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's hope for everyone. Because her comment would be, well, you know, if, what if, what if your kids brought home 
a, a, a black person and wanted to get married. And I'm going, I would rather they did that mm -hmm. and married someone who would love them and cherish them than marry someone who is going to be mean and cruel and, mm -hmm. and, and ignore them and not be a good spouse. I mean, we, we have so many conversations. And, you know, this is because of my relationships. I have a, I have a new daughter. She's my sister daughter because I have a daughter sister. And so I get them confused. I have a new, she is a beautiful, beautiful young woman whose skin is like yours. I mean, very very beautiful, very dark. She is my other half. I don't have Joya with me Thank you all. in, in proximity anymore, but now I have Xandra. And she and I are attached at the heart. And I think that's the key is when we get to know people and we attach at the heart. That's when our churches won't show these midlines anymore because we are attached at the heart, not at the skin. Beautifully said. Thank you. Thank you for that. Josh, there on the end, any yeses? I think the closest one was like down. We, we were we were kind of close to the we were closer to yeah. the yeses. There were two of us that were closer to the yeses than. So the there's yeses. a story behind that response. For whatever yeah. reason. Yeah, I just want to thank you all and thank you for serving your churches. I know that God wants us to be a people of inclusion, and we pray as well as for us that we do that. So thank you all. Thank, thank you, Jana. Thank you. Thank you.